going to move on to your brief now, Marilyn Butler. Home care. 6,000 older people across the country are on a waiting list to access home care. That's the number who've been approved for a home care package or extra home care hours, but they're currently waiting to actually have a carer allocated to them. And even at that, it may be just for an hour or 40 minutes a day or indeed every other day. So there's about 18,000 people in this category, carers in the state. The HSE employs about 5,000 of them directly. About 10,000 are employed by private agencies who have contracts with the HSE and 3,000 come from voluntary bodies. And before we get to the discussion, we've been talking to Kieran Keneally, who's working as a carer for private providers. And he's been telling us about how important carers are to those they work with. Uh, it depends on the job, really, you know. Uh, so, some jobs that you're doing, you you could be living, um, and literally you're doing everything for people, you know. So you, you're cooking for them, you're cleaning for them, you're helping them to get dressed, you're taking them shopping, you're taking them for spins, and you, you essentially become part of the family. With other jobs, you're just going for maybe an hour a day or an hour in the morning, an hour in the evening. But you still become a very important uh, element uh, of their lives and they rely on you, you know, to turn up. Um, in some cases, they're relying on you to give them medication. Um, in, in other terms, it's something very basic, like they're, you know, waiting for food. You know, you if you don't turn up, they may not get a hot meal that evening. And do you get any sense what the shortage in carers does to people? What's the impact on the people you're talking to? A lot of people in the country are in isolated villages and towns. It, it can be hard to fill those positions. Um, and the reason it's hard to fill those positions is because there's a lot of driving involved. Uh, a lot of the time you don't get a petrol allowance. And to begin with, your, your salary or your hourly rate can be quite small. So uh, people are leaving the industry then because of that. And the people who are isolated are, are not getting anyone to go out to them. And, and they're relying on family members. Our neighbours, you know, um, and it can have a, a pretty devastating effect at times. You have experience yourself with the kind of wide pay differential that different agencies will pay to, to carers for the hour. Can you give us a sense of what that stretches between minimum and maximum? Well, the minimum, uh, as far as I can see, is around um, 11.50. And the most then that I've seen, it, it can go up um, slightly above 20 and maybe even around the 25 mark. And, and as far as you know, what's the HSE paying for those hours? The HSE pays anywhere from 25 to slightly over 30 euros per, per hour for every job that every agency gets. And then it's up to the agency to pass those amounts on. But what's happening is a lot of the agencies are passing on a fraction of that amount of money. Uh, like I said, in some cases, as little as 11. And some agencies then like the one, now I work for two different agencies, one of the agencies I work for um, passes on um, the vast majority of it. So, for example, if if I was if if the if the HSE was paying twenty five euros an hour for a particular job, the company would take about four euros of that. But there is a huge amount of companies only paying eleven and eleven fifty or twelve euros an hour out of the twenty seven that they're getting. All right. And it, it, I suppose people listening to this might think, well, naturally people would gravitate towards the companies that are paying the higher rate rather than the lower rate. But is it, is it always the companies paying the lower rate that find themselves short of staff? Bizarrely, uh, a lot of the companies that are paying the lower rate have the vast majority of the staff. Um, and I think the reason for that is I think there are hundreds of, of, of carers out there who don't realise just what's available if you shop around. Just finally then, 
the issue you mentioned there of, of petrol allowance and also the low rate of pay. I mean, the job you're doing is quite high responsibility, quite an onerous job. People might make the calculation that there are jobs where they could go to one venue and work eight straight hours like in a supermarket, earn the same money without the same level of stress or loss to themselves and just not go into caring. Do you think that's a possibility? Oh, I think it's, I, I guarantee you it's happening. Uh, I mean, for example, there, there are people working in Aldi and Lidl who are getting 13 and 14 euros an hour. Uh, my my son, who's 20 years of age, is getting, you know, 12, 15 hour in a hotel nearby where I'm living. And he's, you know, going to college at the same time. And yet you have, you have carers who are being offered 11.50. Going back to your question, are people leaving the industry because of that to earn more and get their block of hours in one go? They are. They are. And that was Kieran Kennedy, who works as a carer all over the country, speaking to me earlier. And Mary Butter, we got an outline of the problems there from Kieran Kennedy, maybe some of the things that are driving people out of the industry. And it's reflected, I suppose, in, in the workplace advisory or workforce advisory group report that you got that the top three reasons that were providing challenges to staff in the sector were recruitment, retention and pay and conditions. So we know the scale of the problem, but what's going to be done about it? So Ireland's population is ageing faster than anywhere else in Europe. That's what we do know. And we know that we know that the population has grown across all, a- all ages, all regions, but the most significant growth is in older people. Now, in order to support people to age in place, to age well in home, you have to be able to provide certain supports for them. So home care would be one, daycare centres would be another, and thirdly, meals on wheels. In relation to home care, um, 56,500 people receive home care on a daily basis. But we we have, as you've said, approximately 6,200 people who are funded for home care at the moment, but we don't have the staff to deliver those those hours. And that's up by about 1,000 on July. So this is getting more critical. It is getting more critical. When I came into post two and a half years ago, the waiting list was 9,000. The government moved very quickly to provide extra additional funding for an extra 5 million hours of 150 million euro. In fairness, that money was provided. I'm probably the first minister that has the full budget to deliver home care hours. We got the numbers down to about 4,000 earlier on this year but because as I suppose we're coming out of COVID, people have more complex issues. We have 6,200 people waiting as I say, speak right. today. Some of the problems and my colleagues will know this well. We're very challenged at the weekend. We're very challenged in rural areas and it has taken up a huge amount of my time trying to see how we can get more people working. But one of the points I do want to make is... Just before you get to that, because amongst the challenges before even the recruitment issue is addressed is the issue of, of regulation. Again, coming from that Workforce Advisory Group report, it said the introduction of regulation for home support services and to safeguard service users and to clarify the rights and responsibilities of care workers is an essential prerequisite to both the recruitment of non-EU staff and to implement the pilot of personalised budgets, which which, which is a, a separate issue. But that's a lever that could be filled that wouldn't require... Uh, that wouldn't require filling of posts or anything else. Those we are, regulations. We are, we are working when will on they that, be in place? We are working on that legislation. I hope to move it um, early in the new year. It's a really important piece of legislation. But I just want to let people know that there are quite stringent regulations. Anybody who's delivering home care have to have a level 5 QQI qualification. Um, they also would have training in infection prevention and control measures and they also would be guard vetted. But one point that wasn't picked up on, 60%, 63% of all home care workers are 
aged over 55, 75% work part-time. So it's a very complex issue. And if I could just say briefly, yeah, what, 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 I put in place the Strategic Workforce Advisory Group, 16 recommendations. I took every one of them on board. So we looked inwards in here in Ireland to see what we could do. And we looked outwardly as well. So this week, myself and Minister Damien English, we have announced a thousand permits outside the EU to see can we encourage people to come into Ireland to deliver home care. Even though that workplace advisory group said that we need the regulations in place before those people Well, we're doing it in parallel. So basically what's happening now is we won't be able to put the permits in place until January. We're working on these. Like there's regulations there for everyone who delivers home care at the moment. But it is very important that we looked inwardly as as well and we did. And one of the the recommendations is that anybody who's receiving um, through the tender from the HSC and the average tender paid per hour from the HSC per hour is €27 that they would have to pay a minimum of the living wage which is currently today £12.90 and they would also have to pay mileage as well. Okay. Um, Annie Hoy, you have some personal experience of the need for for, um, care providers, home care packages within your family. How does the shortage of staff in your experience impact it on people who need these these services? Like these services are to, to allow and facilitate people live in their homes, remain in their homes and that's a really important thing and when you have either a shortage of services or very restricted hours you know the half an hour block is there's very little that can you know it's really limited what they can do in that half an hour and we often had people you know coming in out of our house and they're like god if we could just get the, the half an hour together a blocked time where we could do more than what they were literally coming in the door barely would have even gotten set up to you know either do the clean the wounds or whatever it was and then they'd be back out the door again so we were still doing all of the other caring parts the the washing the showering the feeding the you know the medication like there was a huge amount of work and obviously look that's that's part of life. That's part of caring for someone in the home. But I remember just, and they were so strained and so tired. And because we were living, we're from uh, Drogheda, but on the Mead side of Drogheda. So our, our, our care workers were coming from Dunshockland, Kells. They were driving 45 minutes an hour to get over to us and then to leave again, to come back a couple of hours later for another half an hour. They weren't being paid their mileage. Not all of them were HSC staff, so they weren't being paid their mileage. And... Jesus, our hearts were going out for them and they, we were making them cups of tea and we're like, Jesus, you sit down for a second because they were wrecked. Do you know what I mean? And some of them were were withered with the tiredness and God, they were so good. They, you know, they took such good care of my dad. They helped us in, in a really difficult time. Um, but it was really hard listening to them talking about how, how they know that they aren't able to do the work that they want to do because they're only on those half an hour blocks, the 45 minute blocks. And that's not to take away from the work they could do. But they were saying, they were like, we wish we could stay a little bit longer just to help you with what you need to do because they can see what needs to be done in the homes. They can see what the family needs. They can see the importance of the work that they're doing and they have to go flying out the door for unpaid mileage to scoot off to the, another side of the county. And it was just, it was, really, it was really tough actually watching them struggle with the work that they were doing. And they were absolute angels, let me tell you that much. Michael, uh, the, the knock-on effect on this, apart from the impact on people within their homes, releasing people from hospitals into their homes is also a consequence of the under-provision here, is it? Well, it is because <coughs> um, 
you know, sometimes the, the, the need for home care comes about as a result of, of uh, a slow sort of deterioration, but sometimes it can be as a result of an accident and people find themselves in hospital, um, in step-down care after being in hospital, like um, sort of, you know, there are a number of step-down facilities, HSE step-down facilities, or indeed private nursing homes across the country, waiting to go home, but not being able to go home. They may have been approved for home care, a uh, home care package, but the carers aren't there, so they can't actually go home until that home care uh, is put in place. And I think that's a that's a big problem. Um, I, I very much welcome the, the Minister's activities in um, setting up this group. With regard to the recommendations, the one that I think has personally has most um, scope to actually deliver home care on the ground in rural areas is a recommendation on looking at social protection and whether people who are, uh, who are currently... Uh, unemployed, whether they can re-enter the workforce without a complete loss of their uh, services. Because, you know, with the greatest will in the world, a a thousand permits to non-EU workers, I just, uh, to non-EU persons, I just don't see that benefiting rural land because it's a huge ask to come from outside of the EU to live in rural Clare or rural Meath for that matter and to drive around the the, the, uh, highways and byways of Clare or Meath or wherever to provide services. And of course there's a, I mean, like Annie, I've had excellent home carers provide a a very valuable service to to close family members. I want to thank them. But I just want to make the point that Gareth Vetting is hugely important and of course that's quite can be quite difficult cumbersome and slow when it's regard to people outside of the EU or people who've lived in a number of places but it's not like somebody who's working in a hospital where, where of course you do need guard the vetting it's very important but there's certain supervision whereas in a home care I- environment there's a particular relationship of dependency we, we've all seen horrible stories in the media about people who stole from uh, people that they were caring for it's, it's obviously a disgusting thing to do uh, but you know that's why guard the vetting is so important and does Absolutely. need to be carried out. Minister, I will come back to you in a moment, but just on that issue on social welfare, it's an issue that's shared by the, uh, the some of the care providers and Joseph Musgrave is the CEO of Home and Community Care Ireland, the umbrella group which represents private uh, providers of home care and he's on the line as, as we speak. Jo- Joseph uh, Musgrave, thanks very much for joining us. Happy to be here. Just to go back to Kieran Kennelly's point in the first mm-hmm. instance and some of the issues he raised, the levels of pay and, and the payment of mileage and allowance, there seems to be a great variation in terms and conditions there. Is there a kind of a minimum advised standard that you have for your members or is it entirely at their discretion? So HCCI has been campaigning for a living wage as the base minimum for around two years now. Uh, and we, you know, we worked with the minister on the report, and you know, we we agreed with her that there was a need to do it. So, and the average our members pay is very close to that. In some parts of the country, it's well over thirteen euros an hour. In other parts, it isn't. So, what we're trying to work towards is a minimum. But the crucial things uh, that that Kieran mentioned around travel time and mileage, this is absolutely critical. And the terms and conditions for the payment of that travel mileage, in particular, set by the HSE. And the rules of the game right now are it's at the HSE's discretion and they generally don't pay in most areas of the country. They don't pay travel mileage. So sorry, just if, if you put in a tender to provide care, are your costings, are, is, are you saying that the HSE don't allow you the, to include mileage and travel in that? Well, well, what they say with mileage is the, the last tender that you just spoke about, the last tender says is at the discretion of the HSE and they don't generally pay it. I have a meeting next week with the HSE to discuss the next tender. That will be in force for two years from the 1st of January 
on 2023. So we have basically around two weeks to fix this. And it will require the minister working with the likes of HCCI to get that over the line. Because if we get that over the line, what Kieran's talking about in rural areas will really help when, when carers are finally, as they should be, remunerated for their travel mileage. It's absolutely critical. And then a, a payment for travel time as All well. Right. Well, just we, we, we'll come back to you on that. Just, uh, Minister, do you want to respond to that particular one, the issue of the negotiations with the HSC yeah, and the payment of mileage? Uh, yeah. Hi, Joseph, and thanks for all your interaction um, with the Strategic Workforce Advisory Group. It was very important. We had stakeholders across the departments, but public, private and voluntary as well, just to put that out there. So the situation at the moment is that this is a really challenging time because the HSE are recruiting currently for home care workers and they pay €16 Euro an hour plus mileage when the HSE are recruiting themselves and they con- they have 40% of the workers who are providing home care. In relation to um, the private and the voluntary sector, the private sector and the voluntary, when they, you know, when, when, when they receive hours from the HSE, the average provision that they are paid is €26.93. €26. So we'll say, we'll call it €27. So then it's up to the private providers out of that tender to pay their workers. And I would also add that in some instances, mileage should be paid out of that €27. All right, well, hold that thought. Joseph Musgrave, what's your response to that? Well, uh, uh, look, uh, I I get on well with Mary, have a good working relationship. On this specific issue, that's not quite correct. The tender right now, the terms and conditions right now, say that payment for travel mileage is something that's at the discretion of the HSE. And that's something we need to change. It should be remunerated. You know, this can't, the HSE's cost to provide an hour of care themselves is around 40 to 45 euros an hour. That's not me making this up. That's an independent academic report. So it costs the HSE a lot of money. It costs them over double what, you know, almost double, sorry, what it costs the private sector. But that that that, that issue aside, right, if, if travel mileage and this, these negotiations are ongoing right now, that needs to be solved for. But we need to take a step back in terms of what is really going to move the needle on the 6,000 people around the country who are waiting for care well, and they are all waiting for a care. That's the thing that I want to focus well, on and social welfare reform, a career structure, are two of the key and, enablers for that. And we, and we will get to that. But on, on the issue that Kieran Kennedy was talking about, the disparity between some people being paid around 11 and other people getting in excess of 20, and he's fortunate enough to work for one provider that does pay in excess of 20. How can that disparity exist uh, when it comes to that, when, when it comes to hourly payments? Well, this, I mean, one of the reasons, I mean, you know, look, competition is uh, an aspect of this, you know, what, what the terms and conditions are, are paid across the sector. I think the important thing here is that on average from HCCI members, they pay around 13 an hour. The disparity I can't really speak to, I don't know why some people, you know, what I do know is that in general, the competition for staff has increased wage, wage rates quite substantially over the past couple of years. So it's, it's not to the advantage of a provider to pay less. And if they do, you know, shows like this are going to arm carers with the knowledge they, that they need to go and, and, and go get higher, uh, higher wages and, right. and, 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 and see other providers. OK, oh, Michael McNamara, you want to come in on this? Yeah, no, the issue of travel is particularly acute if you have sort of 15 or 30 minute slots. In Clare, it's usually one hour slots, but in other parts of the country it could be 15 or 20 or, or half an hour. So if somebody may be driving a half an hour to be paid for a half an hour to drive again for a half an hour. That's obviously not sustainable. But th- there is another issue and that's, you know, uh, carers, Tim, to have a rota of people that they look after at a particular time of the day. And if that person is in um, in respite or, or 
just not there that day if a family member is if, if they're at a family function etc then the carer isn't paid for that slot uh, even if it's for a short term basis or one off basis um, if they're agency workers if they're HSE workers they are and the agencies say that's because the HSE will only pay for a slot where the carer has actually been in the house and met the person involved Like that's a particular problem because obviously the people that are cared for need care but there will be days that they won't occasional days that they won't be there and then their carer isn't paid for that day. I'm not sure that that's sustainable either. I mean, there are a number of, I mean, essentially what we need is a greater professionalisation of this service and acknowledgement of the very important role it pays. And indeed, that ultimately it maybe saves the state money by not requiring people to be in residential care, which we know is hugely expensive. I, I just and, that's, and, and that's bang on the money. Your continuity of income for carers is absolutely crucial. Matty's right here. You know, if, if someone goes into hospital or so if they cancel their care, they What's don't the, get remunerated. And that's an easy mistake to make. Yeah, no, no that, that, sorry. It, it, and and, and where, where, what do you put that down to? Is that, you know, uh, Joseph Mosgrave, is is it again that you are not getting the money to pay people when they visit a home it's, and the person's it's, not it's, there? Exactly, or or, or exactly. is, it, is it that that's at no, the no, discretion it's, it's, it's of, the, of, of the provider? Point, you know, if, it's that first point. If you're, if you're a nursing home provider and, uh, and someone goes into hospital, you're paid to keep that nursing bed open for up to four weeks so that someone can be discharged easily back home. When I say continuity of income, what I mean is that a carer should no longer have to look at that roster of clients that they have and go, am I going to get paid if, if, if my client goes into hospital for two weeks? If I travel you know, between these three calls, am I going to get travel mileage? Sometimes the HLC will say yes and sometimes they'll say no. That absolutely has to change. We need to recognise home care is a critical aspect of our healthcare All system. Right. It's not an afterthought. Uh, I want to get to that social welfare issue there because um, it's called for again in this workforce advisory group report and indeed it's something Joseph Musgraves you've called for yourself presumably when you made your submissions to this that what you want is a temporary public interest exemption uh, for critical situations such as the one we have at the moment whereby people mm-hmm. on social welfare would be allowed to do more hours without it affecting their carers allowance or medical card or working family payment and also to be able to do more consecutive days is, is that is is that in a nutshell in a nutshell i mean if you look at say the medical card if if your wage let's say is boosted by two euros an hour you will work less hours in order to keep your medical card if you're on job seekers allowance and we have a good relationship with desp to put job seekers back to work there's the three-day rule and as Mary mentioned, you know, it's around 80% of the staff are part-time. So if you work just two hours a day for three days, that's the max you can work. So if this public interest exemption was introduced, and if you take the part-time workers across the sector, say around 8,000 workers, and you allowed all of them to work, let's say, four, four hours a week more, that's around 1.2 to 1.5 million hours. And guess what? The waiting list of 6,000 equates to around 1.5 to 2 million hours of care that's not being provided because we don't have the staff. So one of the most influ- one of the biggest things we could do is social welfare reforms. One of the okay. reasons we don't do it is because there's a lack of boldness and frankly it's difficult. And the government and what you know, Minister Butler needs is support to take on social welfare reform. Okay. The, the, the CD SWAG report even mentions it needs to be tackled. All right, let me take that back to the panel. Before I get to you, Mary Butler, let's go to Annie Hoy. What do you think of that? I mean, we would obviously support that. I mean, anything to get that 6,000 number down is important. Um, the, the, you, you're, qu- you're quite struck by it as it's laid out so starkly, you know, two hours a day by three days. Uh, and then that 
affects the whole system. Like that's not that's not sustainable to take uh, Michael's terminology. And 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 if if I may be so bold, you know, the six thousand people um, are people who have families having conversations with them, saying we can't provide or we can't give you the care or you can't come home. You know, so I don't want to I don't want to create an overly burdensome. But you know, I've had that conversation where we we don't have the care to bring you home. You know, and that's a really difficult conversation to have with people. So if this social welfare package could be something that would alleviate some of that 6,200 because there have to be more people like myself. And that's that is the worst conversation in the world you can have with a loved one. We do not have the support or the facilities to bring you home. So anything I would certainly urge and, and hope that the minister is listening. And I think she's she's really got the, the her, her finger on the pulse on, on a lot of these issues. And early butter, that again seems to be a pretty easy change to make. It's, it's a policy change. It's a tweak in regulation with regard it's to social welfare. It's, 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 it's a little more than a tweak. How is it so no, difficult? Just let me say this. Couple, you know, if, if a, a you couple can do of part-time points. hours over yeah. three days but you yeah. can't do them over there, five there's days. There's very few people just working for six hours a week in home care. That's that's the first point to make. A lot of people do work full-time hours and I want to thank each and every one of those carers who stood up during COVID. Now it's important to say this. Last year we delivered 20.9 million home care hours in 2021 and already we're running 6% above of profile this year. So there are more hours being provided but there's more people being referred by their GPs for supports as a result of COVID, as a result of people living in rural isolation, as a result of people having complex needs and we're trying right, to step so can up you to explain this. to the people who want to know that why we're in a situation where people can't spread their hours across five days instead of just having them accordioned into three days. So these are the conditions that are laid down by the Department of Social Protection and one of the recommended... I know, and that's what I'm asking. As a yes, government minister, yes, uh, can yes. those regulations not be changed? Well, we, we, we are working now with all the partners in government to see. Um, we have asked them to look at this and they're going to, because obviously we want to make caring... Um, um, we want to make caring a career opportunity for young people who will decide to become a career um, a carer and they'll work their way up through the system. Okay, but can but I unfortunately ask you, what, what at the moment, those discussions with the Department well, of Social Well, I only, I accepted the recommendations in October and we're working now and there's going to be quarterly um, reviews and we have timelines put in place. But obviously, the couple of things that I can right. change quickly are the, the permits outside the EU. 2,540 people actually have come in to work in the nursing home se- sector on the back of the permits. Okay. The new tender is coming in on the first of January that will deal with the, the living wage so the onus will now be on okay. the private providers not the HSE the okay. private providers to provide 12.90 an hour plus right. mileage as, it, as will be specified in the tender okay. the, the clock is slightly against us because we do have to get uh, to another item on this but it sounds like you have quite a job of work to do would you be interested in staying in this portfolio then uh, to, I absolutely to see would. It out? You would I would okay and that's obviously uh, the teacher's discretion our thanks to Joseph Musgrave from the home care providers who joined us on the line as well we'll be back with uh, more after this. Saturday with Colm O'Mungon on RTE Radio 1.